You're listening to the Fox in the Phoenix podcast, understanding the feminine cross-dressing experience. I'm Savannah Hawk, dual gender male to female crossdresser, LGBTQ plus advocate, TEDx speaker, and author of the Living with Crossdressing book series. And I'm Julie Rubenstein, proud ally and co-founder of BoxandHanger.com, a feminine styling and life coaching service for cross-dressers and transgender women. This is Savannah Hawk, your co-host for this episode of the Fox in the Phoenix podcast. With us today in studio, she is a mother of three, grandmother of three. She owns two businesses and also the partner of a cross-dressing man. Please welcome to the studio, Judy. Hey, Jude. Hey! Hey, Jude! Don't make it sad. Come on the podcast and and make it better. Awesome. All right, we're going on the road, but I think I'm going solo because, yeah, the Beagles didn't stick around long enough. Mm. But with that, I just want to get right back into it. We are picking up from last time. A lot to go through. Mm -hmm. Even the letter you're reading is several pages long in the book. So everybody can go pick up Living with Cross-Dressing, Defining a New Normal, if they want to read along. It is, I think, a good resource for people. And that's the reason why I wrote this book. Because as Judy has said and will say, the books I provided her to read really didn't speak to the person they're in a partnership with. As a result, this book was written as an attempt to bridge that gap. I wish that Judy would have had this book to read oh first. Oh, God. What a difference it would have made. Uh, damn it. <laughs> well, that just goes to show you that sometimes, no matter how many books have been written, there's still more stories that can be told. So, is there anybody out there that is thinking about telling their significant other and hasn't read this book, I would strongly encourage you to get it. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. And I think, yes, I think it's good honestly, for both yeah. sides. Honestly. I'm like comics because I don't take that kind of compliment very well. I do it's think true. I mean it honestly and sincerely. I'm not trying to plug your book for you or anything. It's the truth. Thank you. It's on Amazon now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but with that, yeah, I think it's really important for both the person doing the reveal or having been revealed from the partner or to the partner. I think it is important to come armed. With information mm-hmm. and know thyself. I say this all the time. It's really important to know thyself first mm-hmm. because it's hard. As Judy's talked about, she had to learn how to defend me for others so that she could share with others without people saying, Oh, I can't believe you're with that person. Because if you're not strong of character, you could be easily swayed or more easily swayed by people who don't share the same opinion as you. So therefore, all of a sudden, you're put on the defensive about your partner, and you're forced to backpedal and be like, but no, they're a a wonderful person. And all of a sudden, you're in this defensive posture, and you're defending something you shouldn't have to defend because in your eyes and in your heart is purely normal and easy and accepted. So with people who are new to this process, one, we have to talk about the cross-dressing man understanding their motivations. And we also understand that the partner who has found out or is being told is going to go through a process of grief about what they thought their life was versus what their life is. 
And what does that mean for them? What does it mean for their future, for their children? Are they married? Are they just boyfriend, girlfriend? We understand that it can't just be one size fits all. And we understand that there's a lot of emotions at play. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So well said. Thank you. Now, with that being said, I want to hear more about what you have to say. So let's get right back into your letter. All righty. Savannah and I talked. He has a philosophy he lives by, which is show, not tell, which served me well during this time. Slowly, a picture of a non-transitioning cross-dresser next door emerged. He just felt a need to express his feminine side. No more, no less. I can live with that. I still had to deal with the stigma associated with this new world. I had never thought of cross-dressers before. Had someone mentioned the word, I immediately would envision flamboyant drag queens. The notion that there are men out there that just like to dress respectfully and have dinner or drinks together, go dancing, and then go home and get back into their sweats was one that took work to wrap my brain around. <laughs> You're giggling. I am Stop giggling. I, I am giggling. <laughs> because, like we said before, there's the whole idea of this is my truth right now. But it was my truth back then. And I don't even know how much you realize how difficult it is to walk that walk when everything you seem to do is still seemingly foreign. <laughs> you know, it's like, how, how, how do you prove that you're not going to transition? <laughs> how can you prove that? You can't prove it. You can't like walk a walk that says, oh, you know, that thing that Chuck just did, of course, he's not going to transition. <laughs> no, it's just, it's a vibe you pick up. Okay. Yeah. So what was the vibe? Is it what you said? You saw me go and be happy and you excited. Comfortable in your own skin. Okay. You know, and not like feeling obsessed with having to wear women's stuff or obsessed with changing or needing to be Savannah five times a week. Or So would it have been a volume thing? If there was more Savannah, physical Savannah time than there was Chuck time, you would have still been a little leery of... Me saying I'm not transitioning? And also not happy with that. I fell in love with Chuck. I got bonus Savannah. (laughs) But at the end of the day, Chuck's my guy. Well, I mean... Savannah's a part of Chuck. There you go. I'm happy to say that. Because I I keep trying to tell you that all the time. I was like, listen, you you just get extra. Mm -hmm. You don't get less. You get more. Mm -hmm. And all you got to do is just harness and take advantage of it. Yeah, it's very nice to, you're much more empathic than a lot of men I know. And I think that comes from your softer side. I think so. And just to put it in perspective, a lot of the previous relationships that Judy did have, very masculine, somewhat toxic masculinity at times. A lot of people who like to punch walls and be violent, maybe not to you directly, but violent where they have to. Or verbally abusive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's not me, just in general. Trust me, I get mad, people. Trust me, I'm not like the super awesome, gentle Ben all the time. But he's more pouty mad. <laughs> no, I can get angry. I can get a fuck. I can get fuck you mad, too. Yeah. But I've never it's raised... Mostly steam coming out of your ears, though. It's not... No. You never really raise your voice and yell or something. Yeah, a couple of times, but you can do the same. Mm-hmm. We can match our yelling oh, part yeah. of things, but it's very rare that our discussions we call them arguments but they're really just heated discussions mm-hmm. if that's so it never gets 
like by blows or uh, name calling or pushing, shoving, nothing like that. That's just not my nature. So is that because of Savannah? Possibly. Mm-hmm. I would like to think that she brings that into who I am um, because I am integrated. It's not like I treat you like shit, but Savannah treats you like a queen. That's not the yeah. case. So it's not a divide like that. So I, I would like to think that because I am Savannah, whether by experience that I've had as a woman, quote unquote, or just I have that softer side because that's what I need for Savannah. That's why she exists. Whatever it is, I couldn't really tell you why it is. But Plus you're you, whether you dress as Savannah or as Chuck, don't change your persona, minor comportment things, comportment and, yeah. things but you're still you. You still talk the same. You still have the same sense of humor. And so it's not like you're trying to become something you're not. You're just trying to embody something that you are not. Very true. I I know a lot of people like to think there's a difference. And I do know that depending on the company I'm keeping, it can focus a lot on queer subjects versus like Chuck can talk about the MCU for days. Mm -hmm. Whereas sometimes if I'm keeping company with people in the community, it rails towards that topic. If that's your, what you have in common. Yeah. So sometimes I think it's like, Jesus, this is all I have in common with these people is our queerness. Sometimes I see that we need to talk about something different than just our queerness. Mm-hmm. That's our thing. And that's what bring, brought us together either by community or by friendship. But there's more to life than just that. And I don't want my life as Savannah to only be whittled into, oh, she's in the queer community and she cross-dresses and that's what she is. And that's what we talk about. Well, that's what you had in New York. You had your little private group and your private parties and it was all living in a bubble and it all felt very secretive and very illicit and and immoral and whatever. immoral. Yeah, just, you know, probably, you know, they have a door, somebody at the door and only letting in people that were cross-dressers or their admirers mm-hmm. sat there and gawked, but and they do. it just, it wasn't a real world. It wasn't a real life. We came here and you became part of the world. Yes. That's you normalized. True. You became, you just blended into the community rather than just finding the pocket your little pocket yeah. staying in there which is ironic because that's what i was looking for and i couldn't find it when we came down here and then to have you help me find the meetup group with so many more people in the queer community because cross-dressing people was i was like the token cross-dresser mm-hmm. um, yeah like, they were like oh yeah come on I felt like a mascot for Christ's sake. And there was one other cross-dressing person there that first night who didn't stay long and I didn't connect as much, but we did, but they ended up not being able to show up at the next meetup groups. And I was the only one. So I met Lex, I met Deb and Al, I met Eric, I met so many different people from yeah. different diversity. Mm-hmm either sexually or gender that just really opened them opened up my world for even me going back to what i said earlier about i'm so surprised that i everybody feels like they're alone but yet here i was expanding my own horizons as of five six years ago Mm -hmm. because i hadn't talked to a person who had a trans child i hadn't talked to a trans masculine individual i haven't really sat down to talk to old queens 
all these people. I met a drag queen in real life. All these people. Yeah, I heard about them, but I really never heard their story in a way that I could call them friends and learn from them in a way that expanded just my general perception, even though I knew intellectually they existed. But yeah, I guess be accepted by all of them. Yeah. Versus awesome. just being in your cross-dressing community, being accepted by cross-dressers. Now you're being accepted by a whole slice yeah. of humanity of all different walks of the world. That's true. So that was, yeah, it was lovely. So yeah, come from New York City to South Carolina, you might not think was a good call, but it worked out for me. Very <laughs> so read on, my dear. Eventually, we had our first reveal where I actually met Savannah in person. It was a few months. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I insisted on watching the entire process. I wanted to see the evolution, not be shocked at the transformation. I didn't know it at the time, but in retrospect, I could see I was actually slowly dipping my toes into this cross-dressing pool. I needed baby steps to integrate the concept of Savannah into my life until it made sense. That's a paragraph in itself right there. <laughs> yeah, it really is. We've talked about it before, but... The idea that my idea was that I would just either you'd show up and I'd be dressed or you would hang out and I would come out of the bedroom or bathroom dress. And you're like, yeah, yeah. It was like you wanted you didn't want to be shocked again, mm -hmm. which is really I'd never thought about that way. So I thought that was super, super smart that you wanted that. That's been my whole theme all along is I, I want to see what reinforces the image that you are telling me. To accept. So being all of a sudden seeing you, boom, for me, some women, I've heard lots of women talk about it and, and they wanted it just, they didn't want to see the transition that didn't go for them. For me, I needed it. I just needed to see this transformation. And it was a little weird at times. Was it? Because we really never talked about you sitting there on the toilet and we had, I had a Awesome. Like music I had, I had a big, big bathroom. Yeah, yeah, music on. She's sitting on the toilet just chilling and watching me put on makeup. And I, I don't think we've actually talked about, about how you felt seeing me picking up a mascara brush or putting on eyeshadow or laying in foundation. I don't know if you were just there and it was like surreal or you were just like, oh, look at his process. I Yeah, no, it was fascinating me to watch to see the skill that you had and, and all the steps that were involved so it was really a learning experience for me and it only got weird right before you put the wig on because you're walking around in a dress and full makeup and then you've got this shiny head <laughs> you know? and so it felt a little strange yeah but then the wig went on it was like whoa you look pretty yeah, that's when I, I told you you needed to go away and let me do this last couple steps. I think it was the heels and the hair mm -hmm. that I wanted to do that before. I didn't want you to see me put the hair on because mm -hmm. I wanted at least I, I wanted to feel like a reveal. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't know why, but I wanted to do this grand entrance. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and you, oh, you yeah, were, the wig made a big difference. Yeah, and you were shocked at how I looked mm -hmm. and said I was pretty, which was like a beautiful compliment. And you didn't look like yourself. Yes, which was to do all of us men who see us, have seen our faces for however many years we've existed on this planet, to then be told you don't look anything like yourself is a huge, even more of a compliment than you look pretty. Mm -hmm. Because it's specific. It's specific. And all we see sometimes is our very male centric 
faces and mm-hmm. angles and jawline and nose. Doesn't matter how much we apply to it, I still feel like I look the same. It's the same with women in general that don't cross dress. We hate how a lot of us hate how we look in pictures. Even though people say, Oh, you look awesome in that picture. Are you kidding? No, I don't well, think so. So that's not unusual. Yeah, but it is unusual because you're not trying to get away from your face. Mm-hmm. You're trying to enhance your face and look mm-hmm. pretty. I'm trying to make my face not look masculine, which is a whole next level. Kim Kardashian learning how to contour, learning how to minimize or maximize areas, which is a lot of work and practice. And then even from that reveal to now, my skill set is so completely different in those what eight years. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's I wish I had this skill set back then. But your skill set back then compared to the pictures you showed me from 10 years earlier or 15 years earlier was way superior. That's true. That, <laughs> that is true. That, I will give you that. Yeah. If I look at those first outing in 96 and looking, and that was when somebody else did my makeup mm-hmm. and I just, my hair looked like a rat's nest, even though it was supposed to look like wild and untamed and somebody else did my makeup, but it was way, way, way too light for my complexion. And even they didn't, it was hard for people to do other people's makeup a lot of the time mm-hmm. because you know your own face and your yeah. own mechanics, but to apply that in mirror reverse to somebody else's, well, I don't, you know, your eyelids are different than mine and I'm not sure how to deal with those. And mm-hmm. it's not as easy as people might think. I've done it a couple of times and even I'm like, I'll put my, my hand up in the air of, okay, how do I put on mascara? <laughs> what do I do with my head? Okay. Now you do that and I'm going to do the same thing to you. And it's, yeah, my brain doesn't comprehend it as well sometimes when I've done it. But yeah, so yeah, I do appreciate you being a part of that journey for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, and then we just sat on the bed and, and talked for a while. Yeah. Like everything was normal. normal. <laughs> <laughs> and for sure the entire time you're like, this doesn't feel normal, but it kind of feels normal, but it isn't normal yeah. because your brain had not seen that before. My brain wanted it to be normal. Well, it is normal. But it's hard for your brain to accept something like i said in the very beginning that you're not used to mm-hmm. and you're still figuring it out so continuing, we're, on. continuing on tell us more where are we at okay so here was savannah he was very passable i guess i should say shitty well you're the one that wrote that well i didn't know pronouns and stuff back then <laughs> pretty i told him so i couldn't bring myself to think of him as a her yet that would take a while but it was nothing garish or drag queenish. It just was. It was almost anticlimactic. <laughs> almost. Almost. More processing ensued. He would sometimes get frustrated when months would go by and we weren't discussing any development, fearing I was in denial. Then we would take another baby step. Yeah, you would get frustrated because I'm reading all these books and I wasn't coming home and asking you a million questions. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't have questions to ask you. Because nothing I was reading was helping. (laughs) Well, that should raise some questions. (laughs) You're like, listen, this book ain't helping me. What's going on? Why is it not helping me? I needed, that's one thing I do know I need when I reveal. I always hate when I reveal to somebody and they just, they absorb the information and then just move on. That bothers me because I want people to be interested. I'm not looking for them to be like, oh my God, you're the best thing ever. It'd be Mm -hmm. awesome if they did. But I would like to have questions by them so I could explain, because I know a lot of the people I do share with really have no understanding. Mm-hmm. They accept me 
that that's my thing yeah without judgment necessarily but they're not but no interest in understanding the, yeah the whys yeah which is why you probably loved when my family found out because man did they have questions for you they, but in a good way in a good way yeah i think that they have bad things to say about you yeah why did you tell us mm-hmm. why would you think i would act that way mm-hmm. well, i'm just just because my one daughter says i feel even cooler now that i have a cross-dresser <laughs> she's that daughter of yours she's always like what you went to a lesbian wedding before me oh man <laughs> no fair no fair i want lesbian friends i don't know what to say about that other than it's cool to be cool mm-hmm. yeah but yeah, it really is not a cool factor. It's just trying to be part of society and life. And for other people to just not see you and accept you, but to understand you. Yeah. That's the, the yeah, difference, I think. Right. It's one thing to be cool to one of your daughters or mm-hmm. all of your daughters. It's another thing to be, oh man, it's a hard, it's a hard go because I want people to think I'm cool and be a celebratory of mm-hmm. who I am. But at the end of the day, I just want people to accept me. But there's that in-between of, I want people to know me as well. To respect your self-confidence and your self-concept. And, and know and understand. It's the one thing about like, oh, that's cool that you do that. Mm-hmm. But like if they just go on with their life and they don't really have an interest in the whys or the hows, like I think that for me feels incomplete because I, I do want people to understand it because my story can affect and inform other stories mm-hmm. other than like oh you do that i my uncle does that mm-hmm. but if that's all you have to say about it like you really still haven't understood anything other than i accept you i don't understand you mm-hmm. i accept you yeah. and sometimes they like i don't need to understand you to accept you i get that mm-hmm. that's important too but sometimes it's like knowing the understanding of it makes it way more tangible in terms of the empathy or in terms of the being able to do something that just one step beyond it. I'm not explaining myself. Feel accepted and, and understood and respected. and Yeah. Versus I love you. And if that's your thing, cool. Mm-hmm. That's different than being like, oh, I see. Or like your sister said years later, oh, you still do that? Yeah. Yeah, we never spoke about it. Mm-hmm. I revealed it. They sent me that letter back, and that was the last we spoke about it. Yeah, until- so I think that probably has a lot to do with your reactions to why people are not asking it, questions or yeah, not. Because yeah. you, like your sister, that was your first family member. I yes, told, it was. It was disappointing for you. And-, and even I didn't understand myself back then as well as I do now. But the fact that like years later, it wasn't ever mentioned as if we're like, okay, that's you. I'm going to just not talk about it because I don't really want to know about it, which is how I felt. Not necessarily the truth from her, mm-hmm. but then to say, oh, that's still a thing. You're still you're like, she felt it was a phase, yeah. not a truth. Yeah. And that I thought was a little undermining as well, mm-hmm. which was kind of sad. Yeah. It was a little degrade, not degrading. I don't know what the word really is. Uh, invalidating. Yes. yes yeah. Yes. Live and live. Okay, let's see. Going out. There was a lot of fear with that. Mostly about what people would think of him, of me being with him. If memory serves, the first time we were out in public was with one of his cross-dressing friends, Victoria. We went to dinner at a TG-friendly restaurant. It was another non-event to add to my accumulating library of experiences in my brain. Little by little, I began to relax. These outings grew in scale. It was very scary going out the first time. Oh, I can, I can imagine. I can only imagine. I can't put myself in your shoes, but 
I can understand my trepidation of going out in public for myself. Even that first outing with Victoria, where we were supposed to go to that bar with uh, Marisol, which ended up being closed. And so then I ended up going to a 7-Eleven under those bright fluorescents. And um, Victoria was wearing like a skater skirt and thigh-high boots. And she it, was like her tight outfit. Yeah. So I was going in there to use the ATM um, specifically and having the 7-Eleven attendees going, oh, they were like, they seemed to be very appreciative of us and half ogling us, which was like, okay, that's cool. Somebody opened a door for me and let me go in first. All these things were just like you said, accumulate accumulation of positive things mm-hmm. that made me realize that my embellished fear, while rational and shouldn't be discounted, mm-hmm. was not as dire as I made it out to be. So yeah, so I can understand you under the same banner mm-hmm. being like, I'm not sure what to expect. I've never been in a situation. I have this fear that something bad could happen. And then when you finish the meal, pay the bill and go home and say, huh, nobody bothered us. Nothing mm-hmm. happened. What was my problem? <laughs> well, don't forget when that was in back in the day, we lived in the upstairs of a two family house. I yep. guess they converted mm-hmm. it and there was an elderly woman downstairs and her daughter was friends with one of my best friends. Yes. And we had to go down the stairs and right past their door every time we went out. And uh, it's a little scary because I knew that word was going to get back in a hurry. And I didn't know how she would react or if she would go and tell the family or if she would ostracize you. And so it just, it was really terrifying in the beginning. Yeah. And irony upon ironies, we find out years later at a family gathering where some whispering was going on and i'm watching your son-in-law talk to that woman's daughter and talking about like the person they met and who they're with and i'm like what is going a lot of she pronouns yeah a lot of things going on i'm just like what is going on over there i'm just like taking it all in and i really didn't know what was going on but i pieced together enough that this woman's daughter was in a relationship with another woman. And so without knowing any specifics, but getting past in, in, uh, decoding the encryptions that people were saying uh, to yes. keep it all there under wraps, because we didn't know you and I, but, but your spidey sense was, yeah, kicked it was kicked in. And I went over to her, the daughter and said, Hey, I just love you. Be you. Your choices are amazing. I'm so happy for you. And again, it was all based on a lot of speculation <laughs> and inferred knowledge. And she was very appreciative. Yeah. Then we were in, where were we? Were we driving back to South Carolina? I think we were. Yeah. We were in the car coming back. And so I started texting with her mom and talking about how she was in the community and that she had gone to PFLAG and, and it took a while for her to come to terms with it, but now she loves the, the lady that she's with and they're married now. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, this is organic. This is an opportunity. So I texted her and I said, while we're on the subject of the LGBTQ plus spectrum, I have something to tell you if you have a few minutes. <laughs> She was like, sure, go ahead. You know, and then I just spilled the beans. And it was uh, a non-event, of course. You know, 
she had a lot of questions and we ended up sending her your first book to read right, to right. help her understand a little more, but it was great. So it was a relief for me because now at least another family, one family member knew. That was your first. Yeah. Right, right, Started right. Started chipping away at the family tree there. <laughs> and her and her husband both. He is very much philosophizing yeah. and you know yoga and meditation. And he mm-hmm. he was uh, also amazing because obviously we said, please share with him. And he had questions and it was just lovely, just lovely couple. And it was nice to, like you say, get that kind of put the foot in the door with the family, even though she's not blood relative, she's about as close to blood as you could possibly get. Yeah, I've only known her for 35 yeah, years. Totally. You know? <laughs> I've only known her daughter since she was 18 months old. Yeah, so, you, know. you know, I think that covers it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, having that ability to have that conversation was, and you said, a non-event and very mm-hmm. interested was yeah. helpful, but it still took you a while to yeah. un- un- be- find the confidence in yourself and of me to have those conversations with your kids. Because I had to believe in what I was saying. Yeah. I had to be able to defend any questions that they had or anything that they would say that'd be negative. I felt like if I wasn't buying it, I couldn't sell it. <laughs> so I needed to buy it first. You know, and that well, you know, sometimes you just gotta buy it. <laughs> you can't put on layaway. <laughs> Neurodiverse brain doesn't buy anything. <laughs> Everything has to be thought about, uh, figured out and processed and worked through and struggle listen you've had seven years at that point to figure it out even though i've had 50 years to figure it out you should have been on the same day mm-hmm. i say that with sarcasm but what else what else do you have in your book this is lovely okay these outings grew in scale i now attend well this is of course past monthly gno girls night out events that are usually anywhere from six to 20 cross-dressers and a few of us genetic women Sometimes only me. Sometimes there could be two or three of us. Apparently, we are the holy grail of (laughs) cis women who accept and respect our cross-dressing mates and join them out in the world. I have attended several of their monthly parties where they take over a local bar for a closed event. Then there's the annual gala ball. But that was a little intimidating the first time. What have I taken away from these? I won't lie and say all cross-dressers are squeaky clean. Anytime you get a large group together, there will be, shall we say, colorful ones mixed in. <laughs> but overall, they are people that are trying very hard to show homage to women and their forms. They dress properly and make every effort to be as presentable and passable as possible. They can carry themselves with pride and dignity. All they want is to be seen as what they're presenting as, a woman. As a result of attending these parties and dinners, I have formed friendships and bonded with many of the girls and their partners. I miss them when I do not attend. My world has taken a polar shift from the early days. So that polar shift has shifted again because I'm really not in touch with the girls anymore because we're in South Carolina now and we all have our lives. And And even their lives have Mm -hmm. changed drastically in terms of the book you're reading from. Mm -hmm has the stories from many of those couples yes and over that period of time that was it then eight nine years yeah. probably eight years since that book has been written mm-hmm. every one of those relationships have changed or evolved yeah some have grown closer some have grown apart some have remained fairly static some 
do their own thing and they cohabitate. So there's every, that's why I said that every story is different. Yeah. And, and every partnership is different. And it's all about what's comfortable with each of them for good or bad. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a pulling away. Sometimes it's a joining in. I'm always for joining in. I'm not like joining in, going to the same events, but just joining in with the spirits of the people. And sometimes that's not possible. So it's about what can you make of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, also I keep in touch with many of those people and some people I fell out of touch and I'll contact or will connect once a year when there's only a few that I'll be on a daily or you know once a week basis. But yeah, we've come down here and like you said, you haven't, you've come to the P-Flag mm-hmm. meetings, you've come to a couple of the meetup uh, meet groups and then COVID hit. Yeah. I think if we were on a trajectory prior to COVID and COVID never happened, I think maybe you would have attended, continued to attend to a point, but even that's not your scene for a lot of it. So you would have come to things and stay connected to the people down here. But mm-hmm. COVID was really the, the death knell for many, many things yeah. when it came to community and connecting. I tend to connect more so. Mm-hmm. That's more of my thing. I'll just keep reaching out and, and pinging people. I know you. I'm more introverted. Yeah. I know it's harder for you to keep those connections because it's a lot of bandwidth. There's a lot, a lot of takes. It's like sometimes there's diff- disappointment involved where if like you reach out and they don't reach back. And we all, yeah. we've all seen it where like you've reached out and you know they've done something else or they were on social media but they didn't respond to you. And the neurodiverse yeah. RSD kicks in and all heck breaks loose. Yes. So. One of them I keep in touch with once a year on my birthday because we share a birthday. That's so right. we always that's got right. that going for us. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and could it be more? Sure. But mm-hmm. that's your path. I'm not going to tell you how to live that. Plus, my family, half of them moved to Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And so there's only one daughter left in New York now. So when we do go up north... It's really further north than New York. So yes. we're not staying on Long Island where we can arrange a get together. Right, you know, right, easily. Yeah. After driving 12 hours to get to Connecticut and then being there and seeing the family for the short amount of time, we don't want to drive another hour and a half back to Long Island. It's just too much. It's about making that work. And yeah, yeah it's tough. It's a tough go unless you got a long trip planned. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's tougher. But, you know, it's, it is the way of the world. People come into our lives for a reason. Some stay and some move on, but they serve their purpose, whatever they were there for. And hopefully we've enriched their lives as well. That's right. <laughs> because we're awesome that way. Uh, yes. <laughs> without doubt. Without without being overconfident and narcissistic. Absolutely. <laughs> this has been fantastic. Thank you for being on. But I think we have a lot more to talk about. So is it okay if we pick up next time? Absolutely. Awesome. So, all right, everybody, thank you so much for listening. And we hope all our listeners check in with us and Judy and Savannah and see what their lives are like. We'd love to have you be a part of this. And if there's anything that you'd like to have Judy answer specifically, we can also put it on for future episodes when we have her on. With that said, have a great day and bye for now. Until next time.
you can find me on Facebook at Savannah Hawk or at Living With Crossdressing and on Instagram at Savannah Hawk. Remember, that's H-A-U-K. And to learn more, go to my website, livingwithcrossdressing.com. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Fox and Hanger or at Julie MTF Style, as well as on our website at foxandhanger.com. Julie, it's your moment. <gasps> the Fox and the Phoenix podcast uses Anchor copyright 2023. Yes, nailed it. If you enjoy our content and want to make it easier for others to find us, please share with your friends, tap the subscribe or follow button to the show wherever you're listening, give it a five-star rating, or leave a review. And for show ideas or comments, contact us through the podcast on Facebook at Fox and Phoenix Podcast or on Instagram at the Fox and the Phoenix Podcast underscore.